welcome to Greater Life Church. I'm so glad that you're here. My name is Moises, for those of you who don't, do not know me. Uh, I'm the pastor here, and um, we, we, we're going to jump right into it. Uh, we're going to continue the sermon series title, Introducing, uh, which is something that we've been talking about. Um, starting, we started last week, and, and we're, so, we're so excited with what God is doing in this area. My wife, Rosie, and my son, Sebastian, are in the kids' ministry area right now, so um, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more about them a little bit later. But, you know, the word introducing... The definition, you see it behind me, it says, bring something to a new place and establish it there. I think a lot of people get caught up in the idea of bringing something new into a new area. And in essence, that's not really what we're about. You know, we're really bringing something that we know works, that we know brings hope, that we know is impactful to the lives that are a part of it into a new area. Um, and, and we kind of lead with that. We use the life of Joshua uh, as he is called to leadership as, as an example to, to help us understand that learning last week that entering into a new city with all the changes and all the challenges and all the things that may happen in our or a new season. You may say, Moises, I'm from here. I'm not coming into a new city. This is just a new church to me. But there are challenges and things that we're going to face, and it can make things difficult for us. So we, we read the beginning of the story of Joshua, and we see that God calls Joshua to be strong and courageous as he takes this leadership from Moses and steps into this new season of life that he had to face. A level of strength and courage that promises to keep us closer to God than we've ever been. A level of strength and courage that, that reminds us that things are commanded by God and we have to obey him. A level of strength and courage that goes beyond any type of fear that you and I could experience. As you know, listen, I'm a high energy guy, okay? And whether you sit there and, <laughs> and fall asleep on me, I'm going to be up here moving around and running around. So that's just the way I am. Um, I'm a morning person. I get going pretty early, pretty quickly in the morning. So um, that's just who I am. So now this call was specific to Joshua and personal to him. And he had always learned that the path of God was something that he wasn't meant to do alone. Although he was skilled and trained and ready, Joshua knew that in this season of life, people were much needed. He, had a front, he was a frontline witness to a lot of things. He, he witnessed God in the 10 plagues and the judgment that came upon the people. He, he, he participated in the Passover. He experienced the miraculous Red Sea crossing. He, he witnessed the supernatural signs in the desert journey. He served Moses as a military um, uh, leader when they fought the Amalekites as they left, right as soon as they left Egypt. He was one of the only ones allowed in Mount Sinai when they received the Ten Commandments. He witnessed that God can move amongst many people in different ways, and that the journey was never meant to be lived alone. This was a guy that learned from Moses that there's a joy in following God, but there are difficulties and challenges in leading people. People are difficult, right? <laughs> See, I got you guys to speak up. <laughs> That's all I had to say. No, just, we, we agree. People are difficult. Dealing with difficulty with people can be difficult. One of the things I always say, like, I work uh, 10 to like almost 15 years in the corporate world, right? And I 
I had a department that I was in charge of one third of the company and supervising people. And I always tell people that the, the most difficult part about my job was the people. I could be accountable for what I do when I get up, the amount of tasks that I accomplish personally, but as soon as I had to oversee a group of people and be accountable for their actions and what they did and how they felt in the morning and the troubles that they went through, it was always the most difficult thing. I would tell my supervisors, I'll trade my 30 employees for 30 new responsibilities that only relate to me. Like seriously, I would rather wake up in the morning with twice the amount of responsibilities and only have to worry about being accountable for myself. But life doesn't work out that way. Joshua was a man of faith, vision, courage, loyalty, obedience, prayer, dedication to God and his word. But as difficult as people may have been, it never stopped him from understanding that people would pray, play a, a, a huge role in the journey that he was going to walk down. So as, as, as you assume, as he assumes this command, I'm, I'm, I was reading the scripture and I was looking into the story and I see that one of the things that he kind of falls into instantly is the first thing he does is he starts giving instructions to the people and how they should remain together and what they should do. And we're going to be reading Joshua chapter 1. We're going to read verse 10 and verse 11, and then we're going to jump into verse 14 and 15. And really just, just be part of that so that we could talk a little bit about the idea of what we're discussing today. If you came in here mad at somebody, you're in trouble. I'm just kidding, guys. Maybe I'm not. So let's read it. Joshua chapter 1, verse 10 and 11. It says, Joshua then commanded the officers of Israel, go through the camp and tell the people to get their provisions ready. In three days, you will cross the Jordan River and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And we go to verse 14. It says, your wives, children, and livestock may remain here in the land Moses assigned to you on the east side of the Jordan River. But your strong warriors, fully armed, must lead the other tribes across the Jordan to help them conquer their territory. Stay with them. You hear that? Stay with them. Until the Lord gives them rest as he has given you rest. Until they, too, passes, possess the land that the Lord God is giving them. Only then may you return and settle there on the east side of the Jordan River, the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, assigned to you. With all the experience in the world and everything he knew about leadership and the journey that he had been through as a man, Joshua strategically begins his journey by instructing the people to stay together and to help one another as they cross this new season of life. All of us in the room here, are called to believe in God, but we're also called to belong to a kingdom. Even, in, even in, in, in the perfect environment of Eden, God said, it is not good for man to be alone. We need one another. We were created for community, fashioned for fellowship, formed for a family. None of us can, can fulfill God's purpose by ourselves. No matter how good you are, no matter how prepared you may think you can be, the Bible knows nothing of solitary saints. It is a work in progress with one another. The Bible actually says, put together, join together, build together, members together, heirs together, fit it together, held together. We will be caught up together. 
That's a lot of togethers. We're going to be together. You're stuck with that person next to you. Look at them. <laughs> I like how some people did not look at each other. They knew. <laughs> no need, pastor, no need. <laughs> we get it. We get the point. <laughs> so while your relationship to God may be personal, it's not intended to be private. Hear me out here. Christ included you to belong to something, not just to believe in something. You follow me? It's not that believing is bad, but he wants you to be part in joining with something. We are members of his body. Paul said that members of the body of God are meant to be vital organs of it. That they're indispensable, interconnected. Every part of it matters huge. The church body is not a building. It's not, it's, it's not just a building. It's a, it's a body. It's not, just an orga, it's not just an organization. It's an organism. We're meant to be with one another. We're meant to operate under this parameter. We understand that the church, the church, the perfect plan for God is for the church to, to accomplish something through the power of God and what he's willing to do through his people. It's not just something that comes out of nowhere. The New Testament church, guys. In the New Testament church, we see a church, an example of a church that, that, that doesn't, they didn't have buildings, they didn't have offices, they didn't have phone numbers, they didn't have a, a paid staff, logos, websites, coffee, instruments, lights, haze machine, sermon series. It was just a bunch of people who loved Jesus and were ready to spread the gospel anywhere they went. People that understood that God wasn't just something that did something for them. That it was something that they intake that they were going to take out as well. Because other people needed to hear the same message. And we often come to the church and just get that, that one hit a week on Sundays and just say, I'm ready. You know, that's all I needed. I'm ready to go back and do what I do the remaining part of the week. While that's okay, it, it doesn't really fix the problem ongoing. You need one another. You need community with one another. I always use the example of the people at the gym because they, they, they annoy me. When people are at the gym and they're just kind of talking for 20 to 30 minutes to one another. That's cool. But I'm like, you are at the right place where change could take place. But you refuse to do what you need to do in the place so that that true change could take place. It's the same thing that happens in the church. We come to the church. We are at the right place. Where something special can take place and you just sit there for that one hour waiting for that moment to pass you by so you can continue out on your day. I'm not knocking on you, okay? I'm just talking here. Yes, those were the bathrooms. Flush. <laughs> and it's sad because being a member, you say the word membership and people are instantly like cringe, like, Ugh, being a member. And it's sad because being a member has become just that. It's like we treat membership at a church like a Costco membership. Like, I, it's just beneficial to me. What, what is in it for me? I become a member of this establishment, and how is it going to benefit me? How is it going to be for me? You know what I'm thinking. <laughs> the truth is that church will outlive the universe, and so will your role in it. 
The person that says, I don't need the church, is either arrogant or ignorant. Seriously, the Bible says that the church is the bride of Christ. That's like coming up to me and saying, Moises, I really like you, but I hate your wife. That wouldn't fly, right? The Bible describes the church as the bride of Christ. There, there is something about what we're doing that's unique, specific, and God-given that we should prioritize, not just ignore. One of our first mission statements as a church, the number one thing we say is we gather in the presence of God and others. We believe that this gathering is not something that we take lightly. We believe that there is power in unity. That when we come together as people of God, something special happens. That as we come together, the purpose of individuals become fulfilled. Why? Because we discover our role in life and our relationship with God and other people. We, we start to find out what our strengths are and what God, how God has called us to people. You may say, well, I just can't relate to people in the church. I, I talk to them, voices, but it's kind of weird. And I get it. <laughs> there is some weird people sometimes, right? But church is not necessarily about relating to one another. If you've been married for any long period of time, you realize this. Similarities are overrated. The longer you're married to somebody, the more you realize you're different to them. And it, sometimes it works. Sometimes it's difficult. But it's the truth. You're not with that person because of the same things that you have in common. Our differences are what brings us together. When someone says to me, Moises, I'm so different than you. While we're working on ministry together, I say, that's right, you are. Because you are in addition to the team. We don't need another Moises. As much as you want another one, we, we don't need another one. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Sorry, sorry. I mean, what Christ is for us is so much more powerful than how similar we are to him. Do you realize because of who he is, we're made whole? Not necessarily because he's similar to us. We wouldn't need Christ if he was just like us. There's something about our God that is different that you and I need. And we take advantage of. People say they don't go to church because it's full of hypocrites. As that may be true. That's like saying I don't go to the gym because everybody there is fit. And the reality is that the gym is full of people trying to get fit. The church is full of imperfect people at the right place trying to get better. That every single one of us, even me standing up here, prioritizing gathering is one of those things that allows the ability for people to know the identity in God. People don't leave the church because they were offended by someone. It has been said that people leave the church and stop going to church because of a lack of identity. They don't know who they represent for God, and they don't know who they represent, who God represents for them. So they think it was the brother that offended them, or the sister that said the comment that threw them off a little bit. But in all actuality, they don't understand what their true identity is in God and what his identity is in them. Almost every time you hear the word church used, in the Bible, it refers to a local visible congregation. This is why being part of a, of a like remote church and, and, and online churches is so difficult. 
There's no connection. If anything, that COVID thought of was exactly that. It was really cool recording my first sermon in front of a camera. It was cool. It was like uh, angle one, angle two, angle three. Look over there and point at them. They're going to be there watching you. And it felt great that one week. Then you got to do it again and again and again. The energy was gone. I was like, am I crazy? Trust, they're going to be there. They're going to watch it. But it was just not the same. We are meant to be people of connection. God has built us to be with one another. It's important. It's important to happen locally like this, personally like this. Aaron Burke said, for the local church to be effective, it has to be local. Why would it be so important for Christians to be bonded with the local church? Because being part of a church family identifies you as a genuine believer. You think it has nothing to do with your belief system. That's just something I do. Yeah, I talk to the people because they're there. But I mean, that's not really why I go to church for. Jesus said, your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. How you love one another. How you interact with one another. It also allows you to move out of the way of this self-centered isolation that we tend to have. I know you were born by yourself. I get it. You were born by yourself, but I, you, know, you persist to live this life alone, and it's going to take some, some hard work on your life. I was meeting with the lady. I was sitting yesterday in my office. Talk, I'm just going over my sermon. Just decided to go to the office, and, and I, I had a, a premarital counseling, and I just you know, got there a little bit earlier, and I'm going through my sermon, and, and this lady walks in. Okay? I need a pastor. She said, I need holy water. Do you have holy water here? I said, well, we don't have that, but I could talk to you. She walks in, she sits down, she's broken down in tears. Just completely distraught. She says, I don't want my kids to see me like this, is what she says to me. I'm by myself. I'm like a bull, she said, pushing through life. I'm from New York. I'm, I'm, I'm strong. I, 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 don't, I show no signs of weakness. I need to, I need to steer on and, and I need prayer. I need help. I, I feel horrible. I don't know how to do this. My kids are relying on me. I don't want them to see me crying because they say my mom is the strongest person they've ever met. And he she said, Pastor, I'm dying here. I'm crashing. I can't put up this front anymore. This, this attitude of being this bull or this person that, that, that pushes through life by myself, for my children, for the people around me, I just can't do it. And I said, listen, I, I, I think that sometimes... The idea is not so much that the weight we have is too heavy to carry. It's that we're carrying it differently than what God intended it to. We like to look at scenarios in life and say, this is too much for me to handle. I can't handle this on my own. Well, exactly. You are handling it on your own. The weight is never too heavy for you to carry. You're just carrying it differently than what God intended for you to carry it. If I walk around just trying to do things on my own, not including anyone in my life, it would throw me off. It would be extremely difficult for me to fulfill the plan that God is doing in my life. You will prove to the world that you love one another and that you're truly my disciples and how you interact with all, one another. It also moves you away. The Bible says if any part of the body suffers, then the whole thing suffers. It also says that if any part of the body is honored, 
all of it is honored. See, it's, it, it's a thing that's meant to be one, one another. If anyone sits here today and thinks that you're writing this thing out on yourself, by yourself, and that, that, that you have no, no, no one in your corner and that there, there's nothing that, that will help you, then, then, then I think you're, you're looking at, li at life a little bit wrong and you may be struggling with how you're carrying what you're carrying. Christians will quote John 3.16 as their fun, fundamental verse for their lives and as well as they should. But I love 1 John 3.16 where it says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. The difficult thing that, that people see, when you see people on the street, when you see family members struggling, it should hurt. It should feel difficult. You should want what's best. If you're able to just shrug your shoulders and walk away, there's a problem there. You should hurt for people. Over 50 times in the New Testament, the phrase one another or each other is used. We are told to love one each other, to pray for each other, to encourage each other, greet each other, serve each other, teach each other, accept each other, honor each other, bear each other's burdens, forgive each other, submit to each other, devote to each other. This is biblical membership. This is how we become part of this body with one another. This is not me up here saying it, trying to convince you. The Bible, which we believe is the infallible word of God, is what it's saying. So the question for you today is, who are you doing this with? Who are you personally encouraging? Who do you serve? Who do you teach? Who do you accept? Who do you honor? Who do you forgive? Who do you submit? Who do you devote to? The difference between being a church attender... And a church member's commitment. It's, it's, it's attenders consume. Members contribute. Attenders want the benefit of a church without sharing the responsibility of a church. Listen, I'm not going after you for being a church attender. I'm just going after the fact that your life may be missing something that could be this very thing. That you may be operating in life perfect according to God's will in every inch and area of your life thinking that I'm doing all the things that I need to do. What's going on? I don't get it. What's happening in my life? This may be the very same connection you may be missing. The Christian life starts with a commitment to Christ, and it is expressed by our commitment to other people. Paul said, first they gave themselves to the Lord, and then by God's will, they gave themselves to us as well. The first decision brings salvation. The second one brings fellowship. That's why we gather. According to Paul, that is the will of God. Your local fellowship is meant for you to discover, develop, and use your gift. You know you are, your gift, we believe here that you're a 10 at something. You're 10. You're like, no, I still got things to work in my, no, no. I believe wholeheartedly that you're here because you are a 10 at something. I'm not saying that won't change tomorrow. I'm just saying that you could be vital and useful in God's plan today. We are meant to serve something that goes beyond ourselves. This is why our family dynamics are so important. When one of the members of the family group is missing, there's statistics that overpower this whole thing. When the father's missing in the home, the kids grow up, 
When the mom is not there, when the parents aren't there, there's all kinds of statistics that take us there. Jesus says, and he invites people, he says, come and follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. In Matthew 4, 19, come and follow creates a sense of belonging. You're part of this. Fish for people creates a sense of mission. This is what you do for me. We're all in that. When the two are brought together, the goal of community is not for good things really to happen to people. It is exactly for good things to happen through them. You're following me here? This life is not just self-benefit. It's not just intake, intake, intake for me, for me, for me. No, it is something that should happen through you eventually as you allow God to complete that entire plan in your life. Belonging and then mission. Belonging, mission. Amen? We believe, we wholeheartedly believe that programs don't make people belong. People make people belong. During the story of Joshua, you hardly ever see a man who was so prepared, who could have tackled the majority of his journeys by himself, relate on just his abilities in making that happen just by himself. No, he involves others. He knew the first thing I got to do is talk to the people. The th next thing I got to do is talk to my military guys and just give them instructions that together we're going to accomplish what we're called to do by God. Listen, I know at times we hurt. I know people are difficult. We say to each other, Moises, but you don't understand the things that I've lived through throughout my life. The things that I've encountered, how mean have people have been to me. And, and, and we, we have been hurt from past experiences. And I understand that a lot of us tend to be products of our past, but that doesn't mean that you have to be a prisoner of it. Today, today, you could be effective no matter how hurtful your experience have been, has been. You know, there are people in your life, whether here today or not, that truly need you. That truly need you. People in your life that truly need you today in your life. You know, and there's a secret to all this because although it may be difficult to create community and to serve at this level and to look out for one another, the reality is that there's a benefit that is personal to you. And I believe in it. Isaiah, can you come and play the piano a little bit? God never intended for us to do this alone. Not only that, but when we do it together, we benefit from it. You know, I, I, I told you that I have the biggest example of this. The biggest example of this in my life. That I will carry on with me forever. When I think of how me doing something for someone became beneficial to me without expecting it or anticipating it. Most of you know, most of you may not know, but my son Sebastian was adopted. My wife and I received a call five weeks before his birth to, to say, hey, bring, you know, this guy, the mom has an appointment somewhere and, and, and they're going to end his life unless you and your wife decide that you're going to take him. And I looked at my wife. I said, you know, the plans for our lives didn't, did not seem to be this way. I'm sorry to get emotional. I always do. It's on me. You know, and I, I say, because I see his life now, and I say, oh, my gosh. How can anyone ever possibly think that that's a good thing? You know? And I, I said to my wife, I said, you know, 
We never anticipated to do this. I always felt called to adopt and it's some, something that I told my wife early on. But I thought the plans of God were going to be a little different. I thought that we were going to have our own family and that we were going to bring a little one into the family as a, as a family to help someone that needed it most, you know? And um, we get this call and it's kind of weird. Catches off off guard. We weren't no waiting list and we weren't following any kind of process to, to, to allow for these things to happen. We just receive a call and I'm sitting there in my kitchen with my wife and she said, baby, you're not going to believe what just happened. What do you think? Instantly, of course. So what do we say? Oh, we got to pray about it. No, we said, yes. Yes. This is different. This is weird. This is how it happens, but we're going to do it. It's an amazing experience for my wife and I. I met grandparents during that birth that I never saw again. People, part of his life that were just there thanking me for doing what we were doing. And I thought to myself, man, we're doing something good here. They bring that little guy into our room in the hospital. My wife and I are fully dressed. The nurses leave and close the door and leave. And we're just like, okay. <laughs> Am I supposed to take my shirt off and grab him and rock him? Like, I don't know. Is this where we create a bond? Like, you know, I didn't know. My wife is fully dressed. I'm fully dressed. We're just there. And we're like, we're going to tackle this. We're in the hospital. Things are what they are. It was a, a unique experience. My wife is in the birth room encouraging the mom as she's giving birth. And I'm outside with the grandfather like, this is about to happen. Hoping that nothing bad would happen. And I say to myself, and I, I get emotional because I think to myself, I thought the whole time I was doing something to help someone. You know, and all my family members will know that in reality, when it's all said and done, the reality is that as much as I like to think that that little boy was adopted by a family, he really adopted us as parents. The more I look at it, the more I live with him, the more I realize, man, you, thank you. You've changed my life. Living with you is my honor. The same is true with how we interact with one another. You think you're doing something for someone else. You think you're going out of your way to make that connection, to create that conversation. But the reality is you're being changed by it. And God's purpose in your life is being fulfilled. Something amazing is happening. You begin, you begin to belong. I'm sorry to cry. I know, I know this is weird. I, I, I don't want to cry. Okay? I don't want to cry. I promise you, I don't want to cry. I don't know why I'm like this. I tell you that story so you would know that moments in life that you're being asked to cross certain thresholds and that you're being, you know, God is leading you to do something different and, and to change your path in one way or another could be moments that are pivotal in your life that are going to change you forever. And here you are thinking you're, you're just bending over backwards to help people going out of your way, driving out of the way, and God is really operating in your life, turning you into the person that He intends for you to be. I want you to stand real quick.
So my question to you this morning is, have you, have you missed out on the benefit of a family, of a church family? You know, ha, have you missed out? You know, have, have you carried something too long on yourself, by yourself, just like muddling through life? You know, being part of this journey, somehow thinking that you were doing the right thing for God, but rea realizing that, you know, you're out here just all alone trying to deal with life by yourself in one way or another. You know, one of the toughest parts about being a pastor is that it's a lonely job. It's hard to be yourself and, you know, relate to people. And I make a point of that. I try to overcompensate myself. That's why it's kind of crazy sometimes. But, you know, you know, has the love of life, the love of God dried out in your life because you refuse to just continue this journey on with God with others the Bible says that because of our exposure to sin our hearts will be hardened and there's a lot of evil out there that we encounter on a day to day basis and you may be sitting here today nope not again it's not going to happen to me again there's no way I've been hurt too much it didn't feel good I can't handle it that's exactly what the Bible talks about is that because of the evil that you and I experience, our hearts are hardened and we can't overcome certain things. I want you to put that down this morning. If in essence that's you and you say, listen, Moises, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I want to belong. I know there's a mission that God has aligned for my life and I really want to belong. I want you to lift your hand up right now. <laughs> Amen. There's people in this room that feel called by God, but because of one thing or another, have removed themselves from the family. I understand my calling is that, but I just can't understand all this. And maybe that has drifted you away. But I want to pray that we all belong, that we would all leave this place this morning belonging knowing that we're part of something way bigger than our four walls at home, than the job that we're part of every week, that we are part of a family of believers that is ready, that is willing, that require, that, that they realize that they are on a missional call from God to take this city for Jesus, to operate in a way that they never thought they could operate before. So I want us all to bow our heads and pray. And for those of you who belong, I, 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 I challenge you to find someone who needs to belong. You could be the only beacon of hope that that person interacts with. Are you willing to reach out and say, it's my duty. I'll reach out to a loved one. I'll tell them about the love of Jesus and what he has to offer. Listen, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so unworthy of your call, as Ricky was saying, God. Lord, we... we we, are, we know that we are individuals walking around covering grace and mercy from you. 
I just pray, God, that you would continue to spark any sign of life in our lives this morning that would require your involvement, God. We want to be missional. And we know we have to belong first. God, but as we gather here today, let us acknowledge that we are important to one another. That the person next to us needs us. And we need them. That we're not only to intake or pour out. It's both. We are being called to people. People are being called to our lives. And it's a cycle that you want us to live in. So this morning, God, we open up our hearts to allow you to operate in perfect will so that we may not be distracted by the attitudes of another individual, by the interactions, the negative interactions of one another. No, God. Today, we know that you have called us to people. So help us, God. Help us be the beacon of hope. Let us welcome others into this family knowing that with you and together we could accomplish so much more than we set out to be. We thank you, God, and we love you for this time that you give us together. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Can you give our praise this morning? Wow. Amazing. Um, real quickly, guys, so you, you may be sitting here saying, okay, you may be sitting real quick. Real quick. I'm done. I'm done. I just, you guys are all looking at me and looking at your chair, looking at me, looking at your chair, looking at me, looking at your chairs. I get it. Um, real quick, real quick. I just want to make a few announcements about this week. You may be wanting, wondering, how do we belong? God, you know, you, we were ready. You know, uh, we meet here on Fridays at six o'clock and we have dinner together. It's completely free. It's just a place of community. We meet a little bit earlier and we set up some of the stuff. If you have time to show up earlier, we have a whole team of people that comes together and puts in all the work to put all the stuff together. But really, my emphasis is on that six o'clock window where we just sit here and eat together and fellowship with one another. If you're at home and you, you don't know what to do for dinner, we're here, you know? Free Friday dinner where we get to know one another, uplift one another, encourage one another. Those same things that the Bible calls us to do. So I would just ask that you would consider it. That if you're next Friday night, you're not doing anything, that you would come and meet us here. We would love to get to know you. Share stories, hear about your life and the journey that God is taking you through. Amen? Thank you so much for being here with us. We love you guys. God bless you. Have a good Sunday.